Gone, a podcast about people who have gone missing from the upper Midwest of the United States and Ontario. These people didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. This is Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Norby. Sarah Bushland grew up in Colorado with her father and sister Leslie. In December 1994, at the age of 14, Sarah got caught shoplifting. Rather than face the discipline of her father, she went to live with her mother, Marie Lambert, in Spooner, Wisconsin. She moved into the house with her mom, stepdad, Jim Lambert, and two stepbrothers, Dean and David. Sarah's sister, Leslie, said the Lambert house wasn't always happy. But Sarah developed a group of friends, and she started dating Travis Lane, who was five years older than her. Five years older? Uh, So she's 14 and he is 19? Yeah. That's, that's, that's not, it's not legal in Minnesota. Right. I guess it's not legal to have sex with uh, a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old. So, right. Well, and having sex... It doesn't mean that they were. Yeah, um, and and it's I. It said that he was five years older, but then it also says that he's twenty one. So I'm not sure where that fits in. Okay. If they just guesstimated that he was five years older and he's really twenty one, I'm not really when sure. When she's fourteen, I think that maybe she was fifteen when they actually started dating. Uh, what would be interesting about as a twenty one year old? What would be interesting about a fifteen year old? If that's just. If, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, twenty one year old boys are super immature. Well, that's <laughs> probably true, uh, except for if you're a 15 year old girl. And that I would, would seem that would be that would seem like a uh, uh, dream come true, but it seems predatory. It well, it's totally predatory. But I think that as a 21 year old boy, you're probably like, this is who I am, and I'm super immature, and my you know hormones are wherever. And a 15 year old girl is probably the same. I'm super immature and my hormones are wherever and this 21-year-old boy thinks I'm cute. So right. and and uh, and he would be adored by uh by her and right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's just upsetting that age is a big age span. And uh it doesn't mean that they were having sex um but it is uh it seems very uh predatory. It is predatory. Okay. Sorry. Continue. In the months leading up to her disappearance, she was hanging out with an older crowd. Her boyfriend was 21. And she was hanging out with him and his friends. Sarah began making poor choices. The combination of her social habits and the things she wrote in her diary landed her in trouble with her stepdad. She was restricted from leaving the house for several weeks. They also told her she could no longer see her current boyfriend until she turned 16 in August. On April 3, 1996, one of her brothers gave her a ride to her friend's house. They planned on walking to school from there and then returning after school let out. Her now ex-boyfriend, because her parents told her she couldn't see him anymore. So we're just going to call him the ex-boyfriend. Okay. But they were still seeing each other. Her ex-boyfriend picked her up for lunch, and they spent the lunch hour together. Once she returned to school, her plans changed for some reason, and she wanted to find a ride home after school, rather than going back to her friend's house. Sarah told her friend that her stepdad, Jim, had found her diary a few weeks ago, and he was upset about what was in it. She was afraid he would find it again, and so she wanted to get a ride home sooner than the bus would get her there. She apparently couldn't find a ride, so she hopped on the bus for home. 
Several witnesses saw Sarah get off the bus around 4 o'clock. One of her stepbrothers were home at the time, but it was a long driveway and the house was kind of tucked behind the trees, so he wouldn't necessarily have been able to see um, if she had gotten off the bus or not. As she's walking up the driveway, a truck that had been following the bus pulled up next to her. Children on the bus saw Sarah approach the truck, and they said it seemed as if she knew this person. Both her mom and stepdad were out of town at the time. Her mom, Marie, was in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, for work and a funeral, and she was planning on staying there for the night. Her stepdad, Jim, was in Stillwater, Minnesota, with a couple of hunting friends, and was staying there at least for that night. This left Sarah and her stepbrothers at the Lambert home for the night. When Sarah didn't walk through the door after school, her stepbrother called her, his father at 4.37. Jim then called Sarah's mom in Chippewa Falls to let her know Sarah didn't come home. After talking to Jim, Marie heads back to Spooner and gets, gets home around 6.30 p.m. Marie drives to Sarah's friend's house, expecting her daughter to be there. She's not. Marie and the friend go to Sarah's ex-boyfriend's house. He says he hasn't seen or heard from her since lunch. They then drive to the ex-boyfriend's father's home, which is in Trago, Wisconsin, to see if she possibly went there. She is nowhere to be found. Jim, Sarah's stepdad, stayed in Stillwater that night and planned to return home the next day. What's interesting is that the friend that was in Stillwater would later deny that Jim and his friend even came there. Well, so did he go there or didn't he? I don't know. That just makes this mystery all more mysterious. Uh, but, I mean, it would be, it's a, either you do or you don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, Jim gets home around noon the next day, and him and Marie report Sarah missing to the Washburn County Sheriff's Office on April 4th, 1996. Sarah's sister, Leslie, told Dateline that investigators initially didn't even search for Sarah. They treated it as a runaway case. Her classmates didn't even realize she was gone until posters went up at school about two weeks after she disappeared. So this was in 1996, and um, I, I think that that still happens today, where somebody goes missing and they're assuming they're a runaway. Yeah. Um, they're assuming that they might be a runaway and things don't kick in real quick. Um, and maybe that is a lot different now than, than it was then, but it's um, it's upsetting that there's... It's a child. Yeah. She's 16, 15? She's 15 at this time. She's 15 years old, and she's been missing at that point for 24 hours. Right. Well, and I think it's upsetting, too, is that to just assume, you know, that from from what I've read about Sarah, she wasn't making very good choices. And, you know, so to just assume that, okay, you've made poor choices, so now you ran away, you know, it's upsetting that she probably didn't run away. And it wasn't treated as a runaway. Because well, being maybe a fourteen-year-old was... and making poor decisions—well, that's part of being a fourteen-year-old. Right. And she had a history of, of maybe breaking the rules. Um, but it doesn't say that she had a history of, of running away or leaving for periods of time uh, without uh, contacting home or things like that. Right. It I just know, I seems see very that. serious. It is. It is. It, yeah, it does seem very serious. Which is, it's upsetting that it wasn't taken seriously. Leslie said, my mom would basically tell me that I didn't need to worry. Uh, she was 17 at the time and still back in Colorado with her and Sarah's father. She said her mom made it seem like it wasn't a big event. 
She was later told that Sarah was reported missing without a sense of urgency. She said, I don't understand it. No matter how your child disappeared, it should always be urgent. But at 17 years old, I just listened. Many witnesses said they saw a dark-colored truck in Sarah's driveway that day she went missing. Some say she got into the truck, and they headed to nearby Trago. This is where her ex-boyfriend's father lived. Trago is a town with less than a 1,000 people in it, and it's about a 10-minute drive from Spooner, where Sarah lived. No one knows if she got into that truck willingly or if she got in at all, although it's believed to be someone that she knew. The investigation into Sarah's disappearance wasn't active, for about three years. What? <sighs> yeah. I was, because I was going to ask, it's a it's a dark pickup. Uh, I don't know how big Spooner is, but... Uh, again, less than a thousand people. Spooner is? Yep. Um, and... Or roughly a thousand. So you would, <laughs> there's not that many dark pickups. Maybe, right. I mean, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but, but um, uh, the problem would be is if you don't actually start the investigation for three years. Right. But is that is that from is that decision from law enforcement or from the parents? Well, from from what I kind of read, it, it sounds like it was because she was labeled as missing as a runaway. Or sorry, as a run. Yeah, right. it's because she was labeled as a runaway and she wasn't labeled as missing. So they didn't actively search right. for her. Okay. okay. Right. That's that's kind of what I After gathered. After three years. And you think of all the evidence that is now probably gone. That's gone. Yeah. The dark pickups that have changed the, um, yeah, and all the people that have forgotten anything that they might have seen or yeah. heard or specifics about the case are just gone. Right. Okay. Once the investigation started, it became evident that investigators were focused on one or more of the Lambert family. The first of four searches of the family property wasn't conducted until 1999. They also searched the trash dump and turned up nothing. They dragged nearby Spring Lake in August of 2000, but nothing of significance was found. In 2013, cadaver dogs reacted to multiple locations um, around the house and outbuildings during a two-day search, but I couldn't find articles that suggested that they found anything conclusive. But if you didn't search the dump for three years, um, be exposed to the air, rain, snow there wouldn't be much left no after three years you would think i mean i guess i don't know but it all of that debris would be spread around uh there wouldn't be um yeah it's the time that has been the enemy in this case right it just seems like such an injustice that yeah. it didn't even they didn't even search until three years later at the time, her father, Mike Bushland, who was in Colorado, said, You're scared to answer the phone. You never know what's going to be on the other side of the line. He said, I don't think it's good. Whatever's happened, but you got to keep hoping. In 2017, Washburn County Chief Deputy Mike Richter said, More could have been done when Sarah disappeared. But in 1996, law enforcement wasn't trained to react to missing children as quickly as they are today. Sarah was first labeled a runaway, and then later endangered. Sarah's mother, Marie, passed away at their home in April 2017. Two months later, Jim passed away at their home. A week after Jim died in June, investigators searched the property once more. Again, nothing was found. Did they say what they died of? I looked, and I searched. 
obituaries, articles. I could not find anything. It's weird that they say that they died at home. Two months apart. But Sarah's story doesn't end here. Five months after she disappeared in 1996, another girl went missing. Crystal Sawyer was from Shell Lake, Wisconsin, about nine miles away from Spooner, where Sarah went missing from. Crystal was 18 when she went missing in October 1996. Crystal's body was found in March the following year. It wouldn't be identified as Crystal Sawyer until 2002. Three years before Crystal's body was found, another body was found in the exact same spot. It turned out to be a prostitute from Chicago. At the time, Crystal was visiting her grandma in Beloit, Wisconsin, and the discovery of that body really freaked Crystal out, and she talked about it often. When Crystal went missing in October, she had mentioned going to visit her grandma. She got a ride to Trago, Wisconsin, and planned to take the bus the rest of the way. Wait, that's three murders? Or three bodies found in Trago? So Crystal's body wasn't found in Trago. Okay. That's just where Crystal's story begins. Okay. That's where she went missing from. Okay. Her grandma received a strange call from Crystal. She seemed out of breath and possibly scared. Crystal told her there was a layover and she didn't want to wait. She wanted her grandma to come pick her up. Her grandma couldn't tell if Crystal said she was at a bus station or a truck stop. All of a sudden, the call was cut short, and she was never seen or heard from alive again. While there isn't the anything to connect Crystal and the woman's body that was found in that same spot three years prior, you might be wondering how Crystal's story connects to Sarah Bushland. Investigators have said that there isn't a connection, but I can't help but wonder if there is. Sarah and Crystal knew each other. They had at least 19 friends, all of them in their 20s. Both girls attended parties held by these guys. There were two rival groups of guys in the area. Crystal and Sarah hung out with guys from both groups. They both had blonde hair. Sarah was actually good friends with Crystal's younger sister, Freedom. Both Sarah and Crystal were last seen arguing with either boyfriends or ex-boyfriends. Neither of them took any belongings or money with them when they left. While they haven't found an actual connection between the cases, I can't help but wonder if they are. Crystal's murder is still unsolved. They can track her movements to Trago, Wisconsin, and then no one knows what happened between then and when her body was found five months later and four hours away in Rock County. If you have any information about Crystal's disappearance and murder, please call the Burnett County Sheriff's Office at 715-349-2121 or the Rock County Sheriff's Office at 608-757-7925. Sarah Bushland would be 38 years old this year. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5 feet tall, 104 pounds, with blonde hair. She also has a mole above her lip. If you have information about Sarah's disappearance, call the Washburn County Sheriff's Office at 715 468 4700. A reward for information that leads to solving this mystery is being offered. What's interesting is that Trago, Wisconsin keeps coming up. And Trago has to be small. Less than a thousand people. Can we just say, don't go to Trago? Oh my gosh. <laughs> for all three people that are listening to this podcast, gonna, a write-in campaign, a write-in yeah. campaign. Um, <laughs> Well, I think that 
I think that it just there could be a, a serial murderer that lives in the area or drives back and forth. I don't I don't know that area, but um, uh, they, they talked about a truck stop or a gas station, and you know if trucks are passing through an area, you they can be from all over the United States. Right. Uh, so there can be a lot of people that are not from that area, but it's just where opportunity presents itself. Yeah. And, uh, but it isn't, it is, that's, so that's um, three people that, that, two people that were found, women that were found murdered. No, one person that was found murdered in Trago. No, not found murdered in Trago. So Crystal left from Trago. Okay. Um, Sarah Bushland's boyfriend's father lived in Trago. And the uh, the uh, prostitute from Chicago was found in Trago. She was found in Rock County, which was four hours away from Trago. Well, I mean, the... Uh, and I, I guess that's the concern about, you know, people that are trafficked is, is that with this... Um, with our highway system, we have people that are going from one end of the country to the other, from top to bottom, every single hour of every single day. And um, though you might be running the same routes right. on a regular basis. And there's a lot of places that you could there, uh, um, hide a body. Yeah. You, there's a lot of places. I mean, I just think of our area in northern Minnesota. And we're two hours north of Bemidji. If you were to drive from here to Bemidji... You're gonna pass cars, um, but you're you're probably not gonna see people walking on the side of the road or anything like that. And you could, depending on the time, you could uh, see very few people, very yeah. few cars passing. And there's a lot of space. Yeah. There's a lot of roads, a lot of dirt roads, a lot of trails, a lot of trails. Um, and our area here is swampy marshland um and it, it really you could disappear yeah you could disappear but the um yeah and it's just interesting if if we looked at it is there a path of where people have gone missing you know i bet there is yeah we talk about when you talk about my concern and some of the reasons that we do this podcast are the idea that maybe some of these people have been trafficked, right. um, sex trafficked, uh, taken from their their home state, moved to another state, and being prostituted uh, for profit. And the uh, that makes teenagers who are, what did you say, uh, making poor choices? Yeah. Um, really vulnerable for this kind of exploitation. Well, and I feel like when you're that age, you kind of feel like, this won't happen to me. I'm so smart and right. invincible. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you right, right, exactly. <laughs> that I know... I know all the dangers, and I, I'm smarter right, than that. Right, and, and smarter than all adults. Yeah. And, uh, um, well, I'm glad that it's not the way that the law enforcement handles children who've gone missing today. But, um, yeah... It's, it's very upsetting, and the idea of, of a 
misbehaving teenager who's just not followed, not sought out, not by her by her mother anyway. It doesn't seem like she no. She kind of as if the mother thought that she had run away too. Well, and you still see that. You still see, you know, on on Facebook, I see it all the time. So and so is took off and we don't know where they're at. Mm-hmm. And you just think did they really run away by choice? And even if they did really run away by choice, they're still kids. Right. They're still not going to make good decisions once they're out there. Right. Well, and I think that I think that doesn't matter if you're a, a child or an adult. No. If you're if you're out there, if you're out if you're anywhere. Right. Today, if I was, uh, if I just left, you know, I would only I would only have so much money on me. I would only have access to so much money, and then what? Yeah. I mean, that, and then what? How do you survive? And how do you? make your way in this world and your safety net of people that you know that you can call on if you get in trouble or if something bad happens or and there's these i mean still these teenagers who are labeled as runaways and maybe they did run away but what's happened to them now you know are they still did are they still choosing to be gone Mm -hmm. or has something bad happened to them Mm -hmm. and we're we're still just considering them as runaways and hoping that they come back on their own yeah um where and i think that that's where sarah bushland story started you know she took off and that's what they thought she took off and she'll come back and she's mad or Mm -hmm. you know because at the time she was restricted from seeing this boyfriend she Mm -hmm. had to break up with him Mm -hmm. um so i could imagine in a mom's eyes or in a parent's eyes well she's she's mad at us and she'll come back when she cools off and um she can she's made her bed so she can lie yeah that kind of idea yeah so did they ever find a diary not that i'm aware of what did that diary say? I don't know. And, and if he caught it once, why would you write it again? Right. Um, and about stuff that is very concerning. Yeah. I, I appreciate her, her honesty about that, you know, <laughs> to say in there exactly what's happened. But right. um, um, what did that say and where did it go? Yeah. And the fact that it's not found is concerning because right. apparently she never went back in the house. Right. So well, and she didn't go back to the house because... Mm-hmm. The brother was there, and, and she didn't. Yeah. The stepbrother. And I found it interesting, too, that they didn't say anything about the stepbrothers. Like, the stepbrothers didn't, and I'm sure that they did talk to the police, but there wasn't anything about in the news articles that said... That they, the quotes from them or... Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. I mean, even about her behavior would have been helpful, because mm-hmm. I think as a stepbrother, you're probably closest to, to the same age. Right. You probably have kind of the same mindset as a teenager. And to say, yeah, she was upset, or yeah, she was... You know, she wasn't this bad kid who it's made out to be that right. she made all these horrible choices because we've all we've all kind of done those things. Right. Um, I think it would be interesting to hear what they had to say. Well, and he dropped her off at a friend's house that morning. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, they got home well enough. Right. And um, they, it's interesting that they don't say anything. Right. And they're the stepfather's sons. Yeah. So um, it's odd that both parent that both of these. Uh, this couple died within two months of each other and both at home. That's strange. Yeah, and they weren't very old. I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't die of old age, right. is what I mean. Right. They, uh, it, it, it talks about choices that you make in life, and maybe yeah. this is a... They, the sister in Colorado said that it wasn't always a happy home. Right. So, um, that is... It is so upsetting, and now she's she would be... 38 years 38. old. And 
she'd been missing all this time. Yeah. How would you feel if you were her father? And she was caught shoplifting and you sent her to live with her mother and then she disappears forever. Well, and Sarah, cho- she chose to go live with her mom. Okay. Um, it was her, it sounds like it was her choice okay. because she was in trouble and she just wanted to leave. Right. Um, but still, I mean, I, I mean, you would look back, never right. get rid of, I mean, you would look back and you would think, okay, she got caught shoplifting and that mm-hmm. wasn't in the grand scheme of things. Now this isn't, nice. that wasn't, that wasn't a big deal, you know, Well, but you never know. I mean, you just never know when something like this is going to happen ever or where it's a very sad case. Yeah. And it's a, it's a maddening case. Because you just think of all the things that were missed opportunities to see something, to find something, to gather something, um, and they didn't. And they didn't. And and they didn't really start looking for three years. So all of that, all of her stuff that she would have had in her room, uh, the diary, any letters, any, all of that stuff would, would be lost or forgotten. Yeah. So there's no, the trail would have gone cold or gotten rid of or gotten rid of and intentionally or unintentionally right it has been almost three years since jeremy leon jordain went missing on halloween night in nymore minnesota nymore is an unofficial suburb on the southeast corner of bemidji bemidji is a small community of sixteen thousand in northwestern minnesota most years there are no murders in bemidji but there are close to 60 violent crimes like rape robbery and assault Jeremy Worm Jordan was 17 years old when he went missing in 2016. He is Native American with black hair and brown eyes. He stood six foot four or six foot five and weighed around 175 pounds. He was last seen wearing a blue and gray hooded sweatshirt, blue jeans, and black and white elephant print Nike Air Jordan shoes. He is not considered a runaway. On October 31st, 2016, Friends picked Jeremy up at his grandfather's home in Cass Lake. The group drove to Nymore to attend a party at the corner of 6th Street and Wood Avenue on the east side. This location is near where Old Highway 2 and Washington Avenue merge. Around midnight, Jeremy and his friends went outside to smoke. For an unknown reason, Jeremy ran off without explanation. Friends watched him run a couple blocks north and then lost sight of him. I wonder if he, I mean, did he get a phone call or something? Or, I mean, was this something that he had done before? I just have to wonder, like, why why weren't they like, and maybe they were, but why weren't they like, hey, where are you going, or what are you, what are his, you? His sister was there, and she said that it was, uh, it was like, he, he's just like, I'm out of here. Okay. Whatever. So it, it, didn't, did, it didn't seem like something had there happened. Was a, there wasn't a confrontation. Okay. It doesn't seem like that. No, it was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm sure. done. Uh, when tracking dogs were brought in, they lost Jeremy's scent in the middle of the street. It was as if he got into a car at that spot. Bemidji Police Chief Mike Maston said that it was cold that night in the 30s. Which, if we're being honest, I mean... Isn't cold for us in northern Minnesota. <laughs> no. no. no I mean, it's pretty normal for October. I mean, really, you, you'd probably go out in your sweatshirt or a thin jacket and... Actually, it could be... Uh, there's for for Halloween for us. There's usually snow on the ground. Right. Uh, it's snowing. It's often cold. It can be wet. It can be it can be somewhere between rain, snow, sleet. Um, 
but th- there's usually snow on the ground. Right. There's so, I mean, yeah, 30s is cold, but... But not cold for us. Right. We're tough birds up yeah. here. Uh, it's, it was not likely that Jeremy would have run the 16 miles back to Cass Lake. His aunt, Alexandra Tanner, whom Jeremy called Mom, said that Jeremy was a typical teenage boy. He was a homebody, and he didn't really go out for anything unless it was basketball or a school function. Jeremy's sister, Danielle Jourdain, told the Grand Forks Herald that he was a goofy kid, really good kid. He's nice. He's funny. He's got nieces and nephews that really miss him. He's got a long life to live, so we'd really like him home. That just breaks my heart. It's really sad. That breaks my heart. Jeremy was a member of the Cass Lake Bina High School basketball team. He was set to start his senior season a couple weeks after he disappeared. The year that he went missing, his team, the Panthers, went to the state basketball tournament and took third place. The team honored Jeremy by wearing warm-up jerseys with number 44 and his nickname, Worm, on the back. The Be- I'm sorry, the Bemidji police have conducted searches by air, land, and water. They have used airplanes, helicopters, dogs, drones, boats, and canoes. The FBI have been brought in to search for Jeremy. Friends and family members have searched every road and ditch between Bemidji and Cass Lake. There was one possible sighting of Jeremy. It was in the projects of the Shakopee area. This is not a confirmed sighting. Um, Jeremy's phone has not been turned on since the night that he went missing. I have to wonder, um, so if he had his phone, I wonder, were they able to track his, I mean, did his phone ping anywhere after, after he left? I mean, were they able to track that anywhere that I, he found? It, it sound, it, what I understand that the, that he, the phone was shut off. Oh, it was shut off that shut the off. whole time. Okay. Yes. That it was not, uh, that it was, it was shut off or it had run out of, um, it had died or it something. It died. Yeah. So, and it had it has never been, um, restarted, uh, charged and restarted since then. Sure. Uh, because there was, they could have, they could have hopefully gotten a ping right on it but it it died and i mean i think that's very common oh yeah to have a phone go dead because you're you what you ran out of you just you weren't plugged in and or but it says that it was turned off so they weren't able to get that ping sure jeremy jordan would be 20 years old today there is an eight thousand dollar reward to anyone with information that leads to the discovery of jeremy jordan if you have any information please contact the bemidji police department at 218-333-9111 and ask for Michelle Leffelman. I know that in early September of this year that there was there was a body found in Cass Lake. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen or heard yet um, if that could be you know, the body of Jeremy. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to see if what what I what they say but they haven't I haven't seen anything yet on that. So I actually um, looked that up yesterday, and the bad news is is that it's it's not Jeremy Jordan. Um, I suppose that's good news. And the too. good news is is that it's not Jeremy Jordan. Yeah. Um, it was the body of a 21 year old okay. um, who had gone missing um, under other circumstances. Um, but yeah, it was not, it turned out not to be Jeremy. 
I don't know if you hope for that or well, you, yeah. And that's the thing. It's it's good news and it's bad news. You want you want some sort of closure, but you also want him home. Yeah. You want him to be found, and he did. He did have a long life ahead of him. He yeah. does. Yeah. And uh, from there's there's not a lot to say about him. I mean, I guess when you're when you're uh, 17 years old, there's there's you know that's that's such a short amount of time, but it seems like he was a good kid, and and um, he uh, he had a he had a future in basketball. He was interested in going to college. Uh, he had family around him and, and really well liked and well liked and um, and then he and then he just disappears so here in international falls at at i almost the same exact time we had a a native of international falls who was in Bemidji that went missing and i believe he was gone for 2 weeks um if not longer than that if not longer it felt like forever yeah. um he was found and returned home uh, safe. And, but Jeremy is still missing. And where is he? Yeah. He's six foot four, six foot five, 175 pounds. He's not a small person. He's not somebody who would just blend in with the crowd. Well, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. And also, he, he, yeah, he would literally stand out. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, Bemidji's a small town. It's not a, it's not a big town. Um, the area that he was, that he ran toward is, uh, you know, is where two large roads can emerge. And, and yeah, if he's from the area, maybe I know somebody he knows or I don't know. It's, he's just, he's just gone. Yeah. And you would think that he wouldn't be easy, easily persuaded to do something he didn't want to do. I mean, he was a big kid. And what happened to him? Yeah. Well, that's why I wondered, like, did he get a phone call? Or, you know, was there something that was like, oh, I got to go? Or, um, And then for the dogs to lose his scent in the middle of the road. Yeah. This had to have been somebody that he knew. And that's what makes it even more frustrating is that if he got into a vehicle and somebody was driving that vehicle, why haven't they said anything? And what happened once he got in that vehicle? Because you wouldn't think that, I mean, you wouldn't think that you'd just get into a vehicle, a random vehicle in the middle of the night. And, um, it would it would probably be somebody that you knew or a vehicle that you recognized. Um, where Where is this vehicle and where is this person that was driving the vehicle and what happened? Obviously, they, there's something um, nefarious. Right. If that if that's it, if that is what happened, if right. he did get into a vehicle. If he got into any vehicle, right, there's right. something. Yeah. And this area, it, it, it seems, I don't know, I, I, I've never been there at... I've never really looked at it at night, but it's 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 a dark area. It's it is. Dark. I there's, I actually there's not lived highways. There's not no. there's not street lights on this old highway too. Um, sure, it doesn't seem like there's a lot anyway. I lived in Nymore for <laughs> over a year um, back in college, and uh, I mean I'm sure that people who live in Bemidji or who live in Nymore maybe tell you something different, but mm-hmm. I thought that it was a nice area to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I never. I lived down from the corner bar, and um, I lived there by myself. So I, you know, I never felt scared or. So it's not like worried. it's an unsafe place. It didn't feel like that to me. Um, right. Maybe somebody who has lived there for a long time would obviously say something right. different. But in the time that I lived there as a college student, I didn't feel like I was unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 
the... But that was, I mean, that was 15 years ago also. Yeah. And this was just three years ago. Yeah. And things can change. Communities right. can certainly change. Yep. They they can. But um, we're coming on, uh, we're coming on the three-year anniversary of his missing. Um, and again, that idea that somebody somewhere knows something. Somebody saw something. Somebody in Bemidji, there were, there were, if there are people around, this isn't a, this is a populated area, not heavily populated, but it's populated. And who picked him up? Right. Which direction were they going? Uh, you would, uh, um, it's Halloween night. There would have been a lot of people moving around. Well, and, and at that same time, it's Halloween night and there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so was something out of the ordinary considered out of the ordinary? Because it was Halloween. Because it was Halloween. And there maybe was a lot of Halloween parties and trick-or-treaters and parents and different cars that maybe weren't, you know, normal to the area. Um, that's a possibility also. Did he get hit by a car? Yeah. You'd think that there'd be... I mean, again, because it is... We live where we live. There could be snow and, and rain and sleet and all kinds of stuff. Um but what happened, and where is he? Right. He had a bright future ahead of him, and and, and I think that, you know, the, the community of Cass Lake and Bina is very small. Yeah. It's a small little community, and they would have, they would have known Jeremy, and they would have known his family, and he's just disappeared. It's really sad. His uh, posters and everything are still up in Bemidji, and, and, um, you know, I suppose that when something like a body being found in Cass Lake, it would it would give you hope, right? And fear. It would be a really awful feeling. Yeah. Because you'd want you'd want to know something, anything at this point, good or bad. Right. Um, just so that you know. Just so you know. Um, but obviously, you want the good more than the bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, he was Native American, and so there's there's traditions around burial and around. Um, you know, a funeral or a procession or a ceremony brings closure and honors a life, and um, every life deserves that. Yeah, um, and that's why it's just so very sad. The it's just so very sad, and it just seems impossible that it could happen. It does. It's it after the, all these cases that we've read, I still cannot believe that somebody can just go missing and disappear. Yeah. I mean, I mean, literally, just gone. There's not, there's nothing left to say. Here's where they went. Yeah, it just boggles my mind, especially nowadays. I mean, it's one thing, you know, because we're so connected. Right, thirty, forty years ago, um, or even back when when Sarah went missing. Right. I mean, the just the availability of technology and um, we're right. There were no cell phones back in 1996. I mean, uh, you didn't have one yeah. if they were there. It, right. Right. Um, they were the size of a brick, but. <laughs> Um, the we're just so connected now that right. it just it just seemed even in even when Jeremy went missing even in 2016 yeah and there's and there's you know it, there's uh, video security cameras right. um, but in this area it's it's on the it's it looked like it was just on the outskirts of town you're just beginning to leave the Bemidji area and you're heading out into the you know the forest or the woods uh, in that area and um but 
hopefully somebody's listening to this podcast and it and it stirs something in their memory about um, Halloween night in, in 2016 and tall Native American boy. Yeah. Well, and I think with all too. yeah with all these cases that we read, I think that um, at the time, if you saw something, it may not have seemed significant. But now that somebody's missing or somebody's murdered, um, you might think back and say, wait a minute, there I did see something. And, and that was, now that I know that something had happened, now that I know that something bad happened to somebody, this little tiny piece of information might mean a whole lot mm-hmm. in the investigation in that case. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you know, what was the what was the thing that caused him to leave the party? Right. It was around midnight. It was after midnight. What caused him to leave? What was the what was the reason? Was there a comment said? Yeah. Was there something said? Because it might make a difference. It might. Yeah. It might not. Yeah. So we just continue to search, continue to search and see what we can find. And uh, somebody knows something, and and uh, hopefully they'll call. They'll call. You can see Jeremy's uh, uh, photograph on our website. You can learn, you can again read about the statistics um, about him as he was, when he went missing. Um, and the contact numbers for law enforcement will be there for, for uh, Jeremy and for Sarah, if you need to review those. And if you think you might have something to share. Right. If you think, minor detail. Uh, there's a lot of things that law enforcement doesn't share with us because it might help with the case. And, and, um, but that little p- nugget of information might be the part that puts it all together. So. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Can I ask, Katie, why would you not do that? Well, I think that these cases, there's, there's, they're still active and open cases. And we wouldn't want to do anything to hinder that or muck that up at all. Okay. Um, I think that if you have, you, you know, if you're if you're thinking that maybe you know something, um, or hey, this person says something to me one time, um, don't put it out there on social media. Don't share that information with anybody else other than law enforcement who is connected to this case. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com.